Hey there, it's Richard Serrett, occasional weekend guest host of Coast to Coast AM and host of The Conspiracy Show. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle's Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. Well, here we are again, Michelle. Yes, we are back. Episode 17. I know, it's hard to believe. Yes, what are we calling this one? The paradigm is shifting. With our special guest we're going to have on today. Miss Christina Gomez. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait to get her on and talk to her. This she is going to be is quite knowledgeable. She is. Uh, and that's kind of what we need. Somebody to kind of bridge that gap and take over some of the older UFO investigators and bring in some new light and some new information. So, and bring some new people into it. So a lot of people are, are phasing out of researching the phenomenon. Well, you figure from earlier sightings in the U.S. and abroad, um, this younger generation needs to step up to the plate, and we've got that with Christina. Yeah, it, you know, and it seems like that uh, people get involved in this only, like us, we got involved in this only because we've had a crazy sighting, to say the least. Well, even before that, we were a couple of sci-fi nerds. We were, we were into it, but more from a, like a cultural standpoint, you know, a pop culture standpoint. Yeah, more uh, for the entertainment value. Yeah, and then it's like, right. oh, what's that? Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> wow. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So, well, first of all, got to talk about our Facebook group. It's getting insane. Yeah, you guys are amazing. These people are legends. In the last three days, we've approved over 300 people to the group, and it just keeps going and going. So welcome, everybody that's new to the group. And if you want to join the group, just get on Facebook and search up Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Or I think you can just put in Michigan UFO Sightings. And, and for some reason... Our group pops up right away. Yeah, it's probably because everybody's joining. I know. So, and we've got people now from all around the world, which is really, really cool. So today we've got Christina Gomez coming on. We've got some communication corner. Yeah, we've got some stories. Yep. So people have been emailing us. So we want to uh, read those to you guys. And yeah, absolutely. You know, and just remember, if you have a story you would like to tell, we would like to talk to you. 
You can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a brief summary of your experience and we'll contact you to, to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. Also, don't forget, we do have a merchandise store. I know I received a couple of emails about what the link was for our store. If you want to help support the podcast, we got some really cool things on on the store and we try to keep the prices as low as possible. But if you go to www.miufopodcaststore, that's all one word, dot online, you don't have to then put a dot com or anything like that. That'll take you right to our products that we offer. And we've got two pieces of artwork that we're using uh, for T-shirts, mugs, hoodies, stickers, you name it. We've got it up there. Yeah, we saw Burton rocking out his T-shirt on his live podcast yes, last night. Yes, episode they did episode 200 of the Lost in the Dark podcast. So congratulations to those guys. That's awesome. Thanks for the shout out. We did a read in for them at the beginning of the show like they did for us and uh they played it last night and of course he's he's uh rocking out that Michigan UFO sightings alien holding the Michigan, you know, holding Michigan in its grip. So He's like, of course, I got to own one of these. Of course. Yeah, because, of course, these sightings are all over Michigan. So why wouldn't the alien just hold on to Michigan itself? Exactly. So that's awesome. So thanks to the guys at Lost in the Dark podcast and giving us a shout out. And we shout them out almost every episode. So we, we're really happy to work with some local Michigan guys, along with like the band of Bearded Brothers. Anybody else that wants to kind of collaborate, we're more than open to talking to you and let's get something set up. Yep. Love our Michigan peeps. Absolutely. So, Michelle, tonight we've got Christina Gomez. So we got to get her on the line here soon. We do have Christina coming on shortly. All right. So why don't we go ahead and get into what's coming up next? Oh, you know what time it is. What time is it, Michelle? It's time for what's in the news. Yes. What is in the news? All right. So it's October. Of course, we've got Halloween coming up. Spooky month. I know. And to take a little bit of a shift, no pun intended, with the whole shifting of the paradigm, um, over to the Sunday drives or the nighttime drives that sometimes folks like to take and it seems in Saginaw they happen to have a road just like the Canton area in one of our earlier episodes about Denton Road Mm -hmm. theirs is Dice Road yes so just a couple days ago on the 14th an article hit that Midland residents take interest in Michigan's most cursed road in Saginaw yeah this is really a cool story Dice Road crosses a rural section of Michigan between Saginaw and Midland, and with three reportedly haunted sites, it could be the most cursed road in the state. It is one of the most well-documented paranormal cases in the nation's history, so it's no wonder that Midland residents are taking such an interest in the paranormal happenings on the road and in the original home. Seriously, it, it sounds just like what I grew up with, with Denton Road just being a couple miles from my home. Yeah. 
So Palmer Raining owned the home on Dice Road in Merrill when the hauntings began. After being terrorized by loud pounding noises inside and outside the home and unexplained fires, he contacted the Saginaw County Sheriff's Office. Deputies couldn't figure out what was going on. They checked for footprints, searching for any evidence of people prowling around, and they looked for damage on the exterior of the house. They never could find any physical evidence to explain away the strange occurrences, according to retired captain of the Saginaw County Sheriff's Department, Fred Clark. I would say to a doubter, not to doubt. There are a lot of things that happen in this world that are unexplainable. And I would also say that many of these things were not to know, Clark said. Retired Sergeant of Saginaw Sheriff's Department Chris Frisbee recounts his time at the home. The Dice Road Corridor is kind of strange, Frisbee said. We have the cemetery on one end and the Pomeranian home up the road. I heard the noise. I saw stuff out there. I don't know how to explain it, but I'll tell you one thing. I saw it. So in think about it for a second. This actually started around 1974. So we're spanning four decades mm-hmm. of this going on in the Midland Saginaw area. With a scary story to be told, filmmaker Stephen Prozac Shippey jumped on the opportunity to make a movie about Dice Road as the seventh installment in his Haunted Saginaw series. What a name to have. What a nickname to have, Yeah, I right? was going to say right? all things. To me, when you spend all of those resources and can't prove anything either way, you did prove that it was paranormal activity, Shippey told M. Live. There is no paranormal case in the world with even a tenth of this police activity. When Shippy heard about the story, he began doing some research and then he stumbled upon a binder full of police reports about the home. He talked to former officers who worked on the investigation, neighbors, and anyone he could find who might know something about the home. He also visited the home. In a Facebook post in a Midland County community group, Jessica Gambino asked members to detail their experiences. She was inspired to do so after watching Shippy's documentary. I mean, these are things that we're seeing on, on, it's reported a nightly basis from people of all ages and backgrounds. So as they, you know, recall their stories. So that particular post took off with more than 450 comments. It appears that many have reported encountering something paranormal out on Dice Road. One commenter said, I had a friend who lived on Dice Road in the 70s and saw all the action with police and the investigation with the haunted house. It was real. Another Midland County resident, Shannon Schultz, said, I went with my now husband, fiance at the time, on Halloween with some friends at midnight. Okay, so that sounds yep. like the, the local, yep. you know, local thing Let's that I used to do. Let's go find a woman in blue yeah, a woman you know, in white. You know, 12 o'clock at night, driving down the road. Um, we got there at 11.50 p.m., nothing. Then, right at midnight, all these orbs or ghosts appeared. Each one was above a grave in the cemetery, just bouncing up and down. We just about pooped our pants and left. (laughs) Yes, that's reported. When we were driving there, it was clear, but leaving, it was foggy and creepy. It was something like a movie. 
Many residents agree that they wouldn't go there at night for any reason. Someone else even said that they went into the woods and got a lady on camera. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, well, it also sounds very much like other stories around Michigan and I'm sure around the U.S. This apparition of a woman has been seen several times coming out of the Dice Road Cemetery at odd hours of the night, and she could be the source of the strange occurrences. Filmmaker Shippy posits that the Pomeranian home may have been cursed after Howard Pomeranian had a dispute with a neighbor believed to be a witch. She cursed the home. Absolutely. She cursed it. Other Midland residents are not so quick to believe the mystery. I live 1.5 miles from there. One of my patients that just passed is buried there along with his wife and family. I spoke to his kids and brother. None of them have experienced anything. I drive by there all the time, even during the night, and nothing has ever happened. I'm not afraid of any of that stuff, Nicole Zinn said. So who occupies the home today? Well, the owners now, Dave and Luann Larson, have been there for more than 40 years. So since, you know, what, mid-70s, since Harold had originally opened it or owned it. Never believing their home to be haunted, the Larsons describe some strange happenings like an antique radio making noise when it wasn't plugged in and objects being mysteriously moved <laughs> oh, okay, but your, your your house isn't haunted, but things are moving and starting up on their own with no power supply. Right. Um, Luann had a high school friend that was divorced and dating a part-time policeman with the Saginaw County Sheriff's Office, Dave said. And he and I went fishing one day. On the way home, I said, hey, maybe next weekend we could have you guys over to our house for a barbecue. And he said, no. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? No. And he said, I'm not going to your house. That's all I'm saying. I will not go to your house. Come to find out he had been there through the sheriff, through the sheriff's department that um, threw up a red flag showing that something had gone on here. Yeah, those well, the police officers were called out there. And yeah, I mean, there was a binder in the home of all the police reports. In addition, Larson's two daughters have an eerie story. Growing up, they only knew a little about the home, but as they got older, they learned much more. My parents went out to dinner, and we were here alone, sitting in the main living room, Julie Larson said. We saw a flash outside, and my dog started barking and got up on the bay window, and then we looked, and some guy put his face up to the window. Oh, boy. We ran into the other room and Bridget called our neighbor, Julie said. It was snowing and there were no footprints or anything. There was nothing. Yeah, they say it was like a a white face, like it had a glow to it. Um, You know, you couldn't see anything except the the round white head peeking in the window. So it's like, is it the, the creepy neighbor coming over just to mess with him? Exactly. So, but Bridget LaJoyce wants answers. I would like some clarity to it, she said. It's always in the back of my mind now, and now my kids are here quite often, and now they're questioning things. So, I mean, Stephen Shippey needs to kind of look around Michigan, because I think that he needs to take a look at Denton Road, even though it's all been paved and it's not a dirt road anymore. Um, Sounds like a similar story to local city that I grew up by. 
Yep. And then here it says that uh, if you're interested in learning more, you can watch this documentary, A Haunting on Dice Road, The Hell House, on Amazon Prime. So I think I know something I'm going to watch a little bit later on. Yeah, that Amazon it, Prime it account really comes cool. in handy. It does. <laughs> it does. One last little tidbit. Author Raymond Szymanski is doing another live presentation coming up on Tuesday, October 19th at 7 p.m. at the Centerville Historical Society. This is free of charge and no restrictions required. This will be held at the RecPlex West Theater, 965 Miamisburg Centerville Road. The reception is at 6.30 p.m. The program starts at 7 p.m. Ray is going to have all three books in the Alien Shades of Grey's trilogy to be available for purchase after the presentation, including his last book, Swamp Gas My Ass. So make sure you get there and enjoy the presentation. All right. I think we should probably do some shout outs. Yeah, what do you we've think? Got some, we've got some folks that we need to mention. All right, so I'm going to start here with Uncharted X with Ben. Ben is a longtime fan of history and puts up incredible videos on YouTube and also puts his shows in podcast form. Ben goes to investigate places like Peru and Egypt, to name just a couple, and he was even recently out west at the Channeled Scablands with Randall Carlson and the Brothers of the Serpent, Kyle and Russ, they just had a great time investigating what's going on out there. Of course, with Randall Carlson, it's going to be a good time. But he's basically looking for evidence of high technology used by ancient people. So it's amazing stuff. Check them out on YouTube for some amazing high-quality videos of these places. Uh, just go into YouTube and just do a search for Uncharted X. So, and then we've got our guys just a little to the north, the Lost, in the, Dark, our, the Lost in the Dark podcast, host, hosted by Burton and Aaron. This is a pretty cool podcast that bills itself as an attempt to capture incredible conversations between best friends as we explore all of our passions, but especially music and the world of heavy metal. So if you're into paranormal investigations and loud heavy metal music, give them a listen. Strong language, but it's heavy metal and the paranormal. What else would you expect? Then we're going to do a large, loud shout out so it can be heard all the way across the pond to the UK. And we're talking about Phenomenon Magazine, the world's most recognized e-zine of its kind. The magazine investigates the whole realm of the strange, profound, unknown, and unexplained, delving into paranormal, UFOs, cryptids, parapsychological, and 14 events. The magazine can be downloaded every month for free in PDF format. Check out the show notes for a link to the magazine. We will also be featured in an upcoming issue of the e-zine, so stay tuned for more information. Yeah, still waiting for our folks from the UK for that contact. And finally, we have Miss Christina Gomez and the Shifting the Paradigm podcast podcast. 
This podcast features a weekly interview and chat show that focuses on a wide variety of mysterious topics related to UFO UAP sightings and the possibility of alien visitation in the present and the past. Christina Gomez interviews researchers, witnesses, enthusiasts, and field investigators on their own pursuits of the truth behind the mysteries. Also included is Christina's new show called Mysteries with a History, where Christina will be covering a wide variety of topics from unexplained disappearances to UFO sightings to encounters with bizarre creatures and so much more that can come under the umbrella of the extraordinary, the strange, the paranormal, and the supernatural. All right, Michelle, I think we should jump into our communication corner. Yeah, we've got some stories tonight. We've got two. We've got Richard and Bethany. So first we have from Richard, I stumbled across your podcast over the weekend and thank God I did. I just wanted to thank you for opening up the subject of triangle sightings. I feel much better knowing that I'm not alone in what I experienced with one of those sightings myself. Much of your descriptions of what you were seeing hit home and is pretty much spot on with what I saw as well. This is something that I don't have many people to talk about it with, and it can be a lonely place to be. So hearing your stories confirms that I'm not nuts. The only difference is that I live in Minnesota and not Michigan. I've never been able to shake off the sighting. It's baffled me in many ways. And like you said, what are they doing? My sighting happened on October 11th of 2001, just five to six miles northeast of downtown Minneapolis in a very populated area. It caught me totally off guard and I went from surprised to confused to scared. Lots of emotions. Very weird. Yep. And you know what? As long as we can help somebody or provide you with an outlet or you can hear that other people have experienced that same type of situation, hey, then I feel like we've done our job because, you know, we're just regular people, a couple of teachers that went through a crazy experience and it took us a while to wrap our heads around everything and for us to then get to this point. So, yeah, we're glad we can help you guys out in any way. And and it's again why we say that, you know, you can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com because we, we truly do appreciate these stories. And, you know, if you're okay with it, we love getting them out there for other folks who might be in the same situation to hear your story, you know, as yeah. well as ours. The conversation needs to be had, though. I mean, regardless is as tough as it might be or as strange as it might be or how you feel, do not be bullied by people and what they might think of you or what you think they think of you because you don't know. They might have had an experience. Yeah. Just remember, we don't always have to wait for the government to tell us what's going on. Yeah. We know. And as we're going to talk to Christina about, uh, we got to get done here so we can get her on. But what we're going to talk to her about is where is this disclosure going to come from? You know, and I think it's people like us. It's people like her. And I hope she will talk to us about that in a little bit. All right. We also have a story from Bethany. On October 24th, 2020, around 11 to 11.30 p.m., I saw strange lights in the sky on my way to work. I was headed towards Howell, Michigan from Stockbridge when I began seeing these lights. 
They sort of resembled the movement of a lighthouse light where it paced the sky from left to right, but they were short and seemed to be through the clouds. I immediately called my friend to tell her what happened, and I tried Googling things and trying to find an explanation, but nothing happened. I know with certainty that it wasn't a meteor shower or an airplane or anything like that. It was super inconsistent where one minute it would happen back to back and then it would take two to five minutes for the next light. It was a cloudy night, but the lights were somewhat large. I saw the same thing tonight, October 15th, around 9.50 p.m. Driving the same direction and near the same place, I saw a Facebook post from 2013 saying someone saw strange lights in the sky in Howell, but obviously that was a long time ago. Anyone see anything? Again, I can't find an explanation. The night it happened in 2020, I tried taking a video, but I couldn't get it on camera because the lights just weren't bright enough. And, you know, it's it's one of those for those who don't know the Howell area. A lot of it is still open land. Now, mind you, a lot of it has been developed, but it's not an area that... For those who don't live in Michigan, it's an inland city, so you're not even looking at the possibility of a lighthouse. There are no lighthouses there. The only thing, the only thing I will say is that is the place, In when I lived in Howell, that's where I did my flight school and where I went to flight training. And there is a airport there, Livingston, Livingston County Airport, and they do have a like a lighthouse type of thing. So I would like to know more about maybe where she was located. Yeah. So it is possible that maybe somehow, depending on her location, she might've seen that light going off, um, you know, identifying the airport to pilots at night. So well, Michelle, before we get Christina on, I think we should take a quick break. Sounds like a plan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, on the line, we have Miss Christina Gomez. So, Michelle, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about Miss Christina Gomez? Yeah, we've got a little bit of a backstory. So, Christina is in college now, studying for a BA degree in business and communication. She began her own YouTube channel to scrutinize public UFO sighting videos submitted to a variety of platforms. Using video software, she slowed down the footage, zoomed in, stabilized, and enhanced, then would post the results for others to study. In March of 2021, Christina began working with the team at the debrief, producing a 
video content featuring interviews with prominent figures in the UFO research communities, such as Lou Elizondo and James Fox. Christina is working on her first book, which will take a deep dive into many aspects of the UFO mystery from the perspective of a young Gen Z Latina being aimed at her generation to promote more interest in the subject while continuing to interview researchers and witnesses on her YouTube channel, which is several feature shows that cover different aspects of the phenomenon. That is so cool. I can't wait. All right. So let's bring on. Miss Christina Gomez. Thank you for joining us, Christina. How are you? I am so pumped. I have my coffee filled with sugar. I am ready for today. How about you guys? We are busy working on school stuff and ready for this. So we are uh, extremely excited. And we've been caffeinated for hours. Yes. So (laughs) we, uh, we brewed a special pot of coffee this morning just so we can have a the energy to do everything we needed to do. So. Yeah, it was definitely, I told, I told Wayne, it was not like the flavored water that comes out of the Keurig. No, this was this real. was like, this was real coffee. army coffee. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Nice and nice and thick. I'm a rattle f- flavored coffee, I believe. So, yeah. So, okay. Let's uh, just jump right into this because I don't want to waste your time and I'm sure you got a lot of things to do and Maybe get some uh, sleep because I know you are talking to Big Will last night. You were talking about how you don't ever sleep. So let's get you some sleep here. <laughs> well, I have a lot of things to do after. I won't be sleeping anytime soon. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> All right. So what made you decide to jump into the whole conspiracy, paranormal, UFO, UAP realm, basically? Like I asked Richard Serrett, what is your why? Why did you get involved in this? So I do not jump into conspiracies just because there's very little evidence to back that up. But when it comes to the UFO phenomena and even the paranormal, um, well, how it started was I used to do UFO sighting video enhancements on my YouTube originally for about, you know, eight months to a year. And this was when I was beginning to be very, very interested in the UAP topic. And there's a big difference from like liking the UFO topic and being interested in it. It just depends on how much time you spend on the research. So at this moment, this is about a a year and a half ago, I guess by now, I was getting interested in the topic and I was looking and trying to find people to kind of get information from. And I couldn't find many people that I could genuinely relate to. There were very few people from my generation, very few women, and very few Latin Americans. So I was thinking, you know what, if I'm having these questions, there has to be someone else out there that's having the same questions as I am. So I'm just going to go for it, throw myself to the wolves, and put my face on my YouTube channel because I was very hesitant to do it at first. I was like, I don't really want to get involved. I don't want anyone to know really who I am because this topic has a lot of scrutiny attached to it, regardless if you're in the topic or if you're not. But I thought to myself, I'm not going to be doing this for me. I'm going to be doing it for my generation to make that difference and to help people to the best of my ability, get the answers without placing my bias or my opinions in the research that I do, because we know 
everything is about perspective and perspective can be based off of opinion or bias. For example, if you already believe in UFOs, but you're like a fanatic and you see something in the sky, you're going to automatically think that's an alien. They're going to come to abduct me because I am the coolest person ever. Okay. (laughs) And, And that's obviously an extreme. I'm not saying that everyone's like that, but if you have that mentality, you're going to believe that everything you see is an alien coming for you. But if you're in the more scientific aspect or someone who doesn't even believe in the phenomena, you might say, it's obviously a drone. I mean, or it could be the military, this, that, and the other. So everything is perspective related. And depending on your own experiences or on your own bias, it's going to pollute your data that either you're looking for or that you give to the public. Because even when you're doing your own research and you're finding a topic, let's say reptilians, okay, this is an example, and you don't believe in them, you're going to find everything in your capability to prove the fact that your answer is right, that reptilians are not real. Now, if you believe in reptilians or whatever other topic, you're going to find research to support your already placed opinion on it. Yeah. They consider that confirmation bias. That's exactly what it is. And that can be very dangerous. In, in any subject that you study, not just in this one, but in anything. And you also learn that in school, in college, when you're writing up papers, you need to be very careful where you find your information and how you place your information out to the public. Yeah. It, uh, you were talking about, you know, how long it took for you to really want to put your face out there and get involved in this. My wife and I had our experience in 2018. And after getting a lot of information from people on a private Facebook group that we created and it just kind of blew up like wildfire. We ended up um, after two years of talking and looking at this stuff coming into us to go ahead and start a podcast and kind of like you, you're, you're looking at bringing in your generation and, and kind of educating them in the, the old ways of the UFOs and the paranormal, which is really cool. We've kind of fallen into this thing of helping, trying to help people that are wanting to talk about UFOs and giving them some anonymity, I guess. Like a a safe space. Yeah. And and letting them talk and get their stories out there and get it off of their chest. We're kind of in this to help people, but also find out what the hell it was that we had to deal with. It's just been, as I always say, a wild ride since then. I mean, I am a, I am a earth scientist. I mean, I teach earth science and I teach kids how to do science. That's why I know about confirmation bias and, you know, doing multiple experiments and try not to, you know, how do you falsify your hypothesis and things like that? What would make that not true kind of a thing? Yeah, it's it's just been insane because as a former private pilot and being in the military and all of the things uh, that I've done in the past, and then we saw this giant triangle hovering over the road and it was nothing nothing that could have, I don't know, it, it, it defied every laws of physics that I know. And it was ridiculous. Well, I mean, and I'm not going to lie. The fact that both of us are teachers talking about this, this is taboo. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's not something you readily will jump out and risk your professional neck for, but 
come to find out a lot of people have seen these strange things in the in the sky and uh you know some of them need to talk about it because they were very traumatized by what they saw and then all the things that happened around them and i can honestly say that so far everything for michelle and i after our experience has been pretty positive it hasn't been other than that that moment of sheer terror and trying to get out of the proximity of this craft whatever it was and then just having it disappear you know so far it's been pretty positive so it's had a a good impact on us i don't know sometimes whenever um, i had some questions yesterday actually about the podcast and when i started giving a little bit of information and background information i kind of got that pause and then that look with the raised eyebrow and, and i go Oh, that's the she's crazy look. So I'm like, this conversation's <laughs> gonna stop. Or it's the bless your heart look. You know? <clears throat> oh, bless your heart. You know. Yeah. So that was uh that was interesting yesterday how that happened to me. So far with all of the interviews that you've done, which is an enormous amount, which five would you say made your top five? Like your five most interesting, exciting. Blue you. I know, away. kind of like your fa- your fab five. My fab five. Okay, I I can let let's go with two. I haven't done that many interviews, so okay, we'll go with go with two. One of them was with um, Jim Harold, the guy from the Paranormal Podcast that just happened a few days ago. I don't think it's been published yet. But his was really interesting because I'll be honest with you. I thought I bombed it. I thought like, oh man, he thinks I'm so boring. I'm saying these <laughs> things. And then at the end, you know, when we were off air, he was like, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people, but you're one of the very few that actually really interested me. And I'm like, oh, geez. Oh my gosh. I was, I was so nervous because this is a really big guy. And I was just thinking, oh, geez. So that was probably one of them. And then another one, I I really enjoyed talking to, well, the other one I would have to say would be on the Singularity Lab with Michael Madaluni. That was the first time I ever really talked about my UFO experience along with some of my um, spiritual practices. So I'm not a religious person. I, I don't follow a certain kind of religion, but I do practice certain ancient techniques that I learned from a sadhu in India a few years back. And um, because of my knowledge of Buddhism that I went into a temple when I was 16 um, to learning also some ancient techniques from Hinduism, it's really helped me in today's world with my research that I do with, with being able to balance so much and also to meditate and have a clear mind so that I'm able to get a lot of things done in just a short period of time. Awesome. Yeah, Jim Harold, he's just to the south of us. He's one of our neighbors over here in Ohio. So, but don't tell don't tell him that that we really like him because apparently all Michiganders are supposed to hate people from Ohio. I think it has something <laughs> to do with that border skirmish we had like 150 years ago. For <laughs> That's why Michigan has a little bit further south of a border because of a a little skirmish that was fought between like six people. I think it was, I don't know. I have family in Ohio that love U of M and will not admit to it. Yeah. So, yeah. but they, even they don't root for Ohio state. Oh, dang. Considering the people that you have talked to on your show, 
and the research that you've done so far, what do you, and this is complete speculation, but I'm sure you can put something together. Uh, what do you think these things are or what their intentions are? I know uh, some people consider them a threat. Some people dive into the biblical demon aspect of it. Some people dive into the angelic side of it. So far in, in your research, what what do you think is going on here? So I've heard a lot of things and I've had this question asked before, and I usually say it's not something that I've researched, which is true. I, I don't think about all these different aspects, especially when it comes to the religious aspect. That's not my forte because um, in that aspect, believing that they're demons, believing that they're angelic creatures, um, that's very much based on mere perspective or speculation. There's not really any real evidence to back up that information. Now, you can also say that maybe a lot of these are black projects, just things that we simply do not know are in the works yet. And then you have possibilities that maybe these beings that are being seen, not just the craft in the sky, but actually when they come out of the craft and interact with the environment, um, they could very well be from this dimension. Maybe they're from, maybe they're interdimensionals. Maybe there's something different altogether. The thing is that there are so many different stories of how they're described, about how they interact with one another and with humanity as a whole, that we simply can't say they're interdimensionals, that that's all of them. It, it's the same kind of saying that when you see a dog on the street, you're saying, is it a Pomeranian? Is it a bulldog? Is it a Chihuahua? It, not all dogs can be in the category of just dogs. They have their own special breed as well. Or in, in this case, it could be an old, a different species or just a different understanding altogether when it comes to these entities. So for me, it's very difficult to say it's one of them because it could very well be all of them, the things that we may already know, and maybe things that we never even thought about of what they could be. And that's my belief on it. As far as like investigations into UAPs, where you think we're headed, in your opinion? Where do you think? So you're asking me, where do you think due to our research, where we're headed in the future? Yes. Okay. That's a good question. That's a good question. From something that I've been saying since since kind of the beginning, and what a lot of people have also been saying is that we're not really going to be getting disclosure from our government or or even or even any governments around the world. It's going to be coming from us. We're the disclosure. It's through our experiences. It's through having these podcasts. It's through having these conversations with people that we know in our little cliques that is going to make the difference. Yes, we did get the preliminary report in June. And yes, that was incredibly exciting, even though it didn't have information that we wanted. It's still a step forward. But for so many that are a part of this community, believe they already know the truth, have in some respects, some of these people have already had their experiences, already had their encounters. And it's those people, it's the people with keeping their eyes on the skies that are able to have that disclosure, to be able to witness at least a piece of the truth, because I don't think we're going to be getting it from our from our government anytime soon. But um, I think 
having boots on the ground research or interacting with those that are UFO investigators, like real ones that have the equipment or that really just go out on their own without equipment, maybe just binoculars. Um, those are the people that I think need to be spoken to more, to be having more of these conversations and to walk people through on being able to, I guess, look for these um, craft or these beings or, or even cryptids. It doesn't matter. Any of these things that shift our paradigm, any of these things that we simply don't have an explanation for, it makes life that much more exciting when you think that you're seeing something that you've never seen before. And that can be the same when you go to the grocery store and you see a fruit and you're like, what's an Asian pear? what's a dragon fruit? I need to buy it because you've never seen one before. You're going to go ahead and allow the curiosity in your mind spark. And you're going to jump on that. You're going to feed that curiosity. And then once you have that experience, once you bite into that dragon fruit, which are bland, by the way, beautiful, but very bland, um, then, then you might look for something else. You, you'll look for another thing to get that dopamine hit. And um, I think with this phenomena, there's so much information out there. There are so many little facets. Uh, you have the UFO history, you have people, you have the witness accounts, you have the scientific aspects, you have the spiritual aspects if you want to get into that. And so if you're no longer excited with the history, you can just jump in into the next pool over and over and over again until you think you might have all the answers or not. But until then, it's that curiosity that makes us move forward. Yeah, I've noticed that one of the things that immediately turns me away from listening to somebody, and this is just me, I mean, I guess it's my predisposition, my personality. But as soon as somebody tells me that they know what these things are, why they're here, I kind of get very dismissive because it just, and they could be right, but you're telling me, what? how does that saying go? Cool story, bro. Where's the evidence, right? I mean, <laughs> Or as Willie would say, it's very <laughs> sus. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> red did it kick them out the airlock right yeah but yeah it is it is very sus because it's it it it, it turns me away and, and that's and i think those are the kind of people that quote unquote normal people that are might might be interested in ufos then they hear those things from those people and they go ah this is all just garbage, you know, instead of like an actual real researcher, maybe like the Richard Dolan's out there or uh, listening to what Lou Elizondo actually has to say, um, those kind of things. But uh, speaking of Lou Elizondo, what what is your feelings on and your thoughts on the whole threat narrative? Do you think these things pose a threat other than, you know, just being uh you know, in the way of commercial traffic or interfering uh, with aircraft of our own? Or do you think there's maybe something else going on? Lou Elizondo has touched on this, and I think he gave a really great explanation. And I'm just going to paraphrase. So <laughs> if it's not fully correct, please, please correct me. But he, he was saying that if there is security threat or not, which many people believe that they are not 
threats because if they were, they would have killed us by now, blah, 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 you know, that whole kind of shebang. But the reason his belief, and I'm going to agree with this, is a reason to why it's classified as a security threat. It's so that people of power, the government, the, the, the military can it can actually jump on this conversation because if it's not a threat, they're not going to care about it. They're not going to put funding into it. They're not going to put any researchers into it, at least publicly, because, well, our tax dollars shouldn't go to something that's simply not a threat, but just for a curiosity. Well, and then it's going to go into this argument of like, well, I'm not going to fund this just for fun. No, no, no. And there needs to be a reason behind it. So even though many people don't believe it's a threat or many people say, why are they classifying UAPs as a threat? Like, obviously they're not. I I think there's a lot of strategy behind it that many of us simply are not seeing the bigger picture. We're just kind of nitpicking here and there, which I think as humanity, we're very good at. We're very good at picking people's um, bad things versus complimenting them on their good things. Like for example, you watch a movie. Okay. And you're like, for, maybe you love a certain actor like Channing Tatum. Okay. But he didn't say one line correctly. You're going to write a whole review that the graphics weren't good. He didn't do a good job acting. That one scene was bad, but maybe the movie was flawless, except for that one thing. You're going to point that little piece out. And that same goes for this topic and for all topics that any of us talk about. We're going to just pick on that little thing and saying, well, why is saying it's a threat narrative? Uh, there's no reason for it. But like I said, I truly believe, and this is just speculation and also listening to Lou Elizondo, there is a bigger picture for it. And there's a reason to why they're saying that it's a threat. That's my answer. <laughs> awesome answer. All right. So with all of the stories that you've researched so far, and you were talking about the, uh, is it Colores? Yeah. Colores in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about that on UFO garage with big Willie. Um, is there a story other than that? And people go check out that podcast or the it's on YouTube with big Willie on the UFO garage with Christina, but is there a story that or research that you've done that's kind of creeped you out or made you feel real uneasy once you started digging into it? Oh my gosh. Honestly, honestly, a lot more than I want to mention. There's quite a few that really kind of shook me in all kinds of weird ways. The Kolaris event is one of my favorite stories because it's so outlandish. Like it's really a sci-fi movie. You would not believe it to be real, especially when you're just jumping into the UFO subject. Everyone knows about Roswell. Everyone knows about the typical gray aliens, but they don't really think about them actually having encounters, uh, people having encounters with entities. And in this case, in Brazil, they did in 1977. Um, I recommend for people that haven't heard of that case to look it up. It's it's seriously insane. There's another story that's one of my favorites uh, currently, and that was the Holloman Air Force Base when allegedly President Eisenhower had a meeting with an extraterrestrial on a different craft. That one blew my mind. And there's a few other incidences where Eisenhower has had contact, allegedly, Um That was pretty interesting. But one case that I think kind of like put a little tingle in my spine was when I was researching the black eyed kids. 
This was one of my first episodes that I did for Mysteries with the History on my YouTube channel, which is still relatively new. Uh, now my co-host is Jimmy Church, which is a lot of fun. It it happened by accident once, and then now it's official, <laughs> <laughs> which is great because he has so much input that um, a lot of people don't know how to find that information because he's bringing his experience and he's been following a lot of these topics for almost 30 years. But anyways, the Black Eyed Kids story is also incredibly weird. It's a very like Halloween story, which Halloween is coming up around the corner. And I am so excited to see all the kids in their Halloween costumes because I'm just going to put it out there. Um, kids that knock on my door and they have the best Halloween costume, they get extra candy. So, I'm just <laughs> so saying. As long I'm as they saying. don't have black eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no black eyes. Don't Absolutely invite them in. Not. <laughs> no, because I might not be here the next day if that were to happen. And now for, for those that don't know the story, these are obviously all alleged accounts. There aren't any, there isn't much evidence to actually back up these claims, but there are quite a few people that have had an encounter and it blew up more in the 90s to early 2000s where these encounters were happening a lot more often, but pretty much... Um, there, there's always going to be a group of kids, maybe two to three kids with completely black eyes and um, clothing that's either a little bit out of date or a hoodie and like jeans and sometimes no shoes, which is well, actually they don't have feet. So never mind. Sometimes they do. But what, what I'm trying to say is these beings, because it seems like they're not actually children, um, will knock on your car window if it's late at night and you're in a parking lot or at your front door at a really, really bizarre hour. And they'll ask to borrow your cell phone or if they can come in, which is if anyone knows the very simple stories about vampires, you have to invite them in for them to enter. Otherwise, they simply cannot. Well, the same with these black eyed children. If you don't say, yes, you can come in, they're just going to keep pestering you. Can we come in? Can we come in? Please let us in. Um, but if you tell them no, they can't. There was one story that I covered that I'll briefly go over. And it was this man. He was in a parking lot at a um, he was at a parking lot in, in, a, in a theater. And he, I think he was like writing checks or something or like reading checks. And this is it's like nighttime. It's pretty late. And he has these two kids wearing a hoodie knock on his window. And they say, hey, we forgot our money at home. Can you take us home? And the man says, well, before he even says anything, he had this intense feeling of fear, anxiety, and um, really kind of like fight or flight kind of sensation. And at first, he didn't look at these children very well, right? Because it's dark out. But as soon as they lifted their head up, their eyes were completely black. And like there was no white in their eyes whatsoever. And that's going to throw off anybody, anyone, even, even if your eyes are naturally black, which some people have no color around their eyes, that's normal. Okay. It's not a big deal, but when even the white is gone, yeah, it's going to scare anybody. <laughs> it's going to freak out anyone. So Absolutely. this man said, so this man said, no, you know, I can't take you home. You know, it's just call your parents. And the kids are like, oh, we don't have our cell phone. Please let us in. Please let us in. And the man said, no, I won't do that. And then one of the boys said, don't worry, we're not going to hurt you. We don't have any weapons. And that's quote of what the 
man said uh, when he was writing this memo. And in his mind, he was thinking, why would they say that, that they don't have any weapons? These are kids. Why on earth would they just casually say, oh, no, we don't have weapons? That's very out of character. It simply does not make sense for children that are ranging anywhere from the age of five to maybe 15 or 16. Okay. That's just not a thing. So anyways, he doesn't let these boys come home with him and he dries off. And he said that he would never forget that experience because these kids couldn't enter his car without his permission. Their eyes were black and they wouldn't leave him alone. They kept asking and asking and asking. And I think when I was reading that story, regardless if it was true or not true, it's very freaky. And I think a really awesome campfire story for this Halloween. Yeah, I've I've heard of that. And uh, some people kind of equated it to almost like the vampire legends where vampires cannot enter your house unless they're invited in or, you know, it's that kind of a motif, I guess, in, in that urban legend type of thing so it is it is it's very scary and it says that people that have um had these encounters with these black-eyed kids and they do let them home into their house they say either they're never heard of again but there has been one encounter where this one woman or this one family a couple let the black-eyed kids in they used their phone and they left and then soon after one of the couples suffered from some kind of like um, heart heart disease of some kind that was like so obscure that no one in the family carried. And it's a really, really rare disease. And I can't remember exactly which one it was. I can look it up. But um, that has been the only story that I could find of someone that had an encounter with the black eyed kid was able to actually come out of it, but suffered health issues from it. So they say. Yeah, the urban legend was made into a movie. Uh, what about recently? Yeah, about oh. six years ago. Okay, and there's like a more recent one, but I didn't watch it. Uh, did you guys see it? No, mm-hmm. have not seen it yet. No, our all of our time is taken up now with with the school year and then doing this. It's like I can't even find time to watch a movie. <laughs> no, but I had heard the urban legend before. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's been around. I mean, I've listened to Jim Harold's podcast for quite some time. And, uh, you know, it is before our encounter, it, it was more of a pop culture type of thing. If something wasn't, you know, interesting that day, you know, you flip on the the TV and you'd find some kind of a UFO show or now after we had our experience, I'm going back and looking at these things and going, Hmm. And all these people are starting to come forward now and telling their story. And now the, like the Phoenix, the whole Phoenix light thing debacle with the size of that triangle that was flying and how the governor was, you know, trying to cover it up. And then he comes out and says, no, we saw it too, but I just didn't want to, let people know that we had seen it and they brought the what was it the attorney general of the state or something dressed up in a alien costume so we we caught the alien he's right here you guys just are too serious about this and you know he pulls the giant alien head off and it's a guy there and everybody's laughing but you could hear it. the laughter was that uneasy laughter you know, in the crowd, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, 
Well, a lot like of when people, someone tells a really bad dad joke, you just like yeah. you have to laugh, but it's like real painful. Yeah. Oh man. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience? Sure. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll tell a paranormal story. I'll tell you too. One of them was not, it didn't happen to me personally, but it happened to a good friend of mine at the time. And I'll tell you one that happened to me. So the first one is, and this one's like a really boring story, but the first time I ever encountered like a ghost <laughs> was uh, I used to live next to like this big patch of just kind of forest that went into the bayou at the time. And um, there was like no people nearby. There, there was no real civilization happening in that area. And my dad used to take that road every single day to drive me to school at the time. And this one time I used to, I was looking at the window, which I do, which I always did as a kid, you, you count the colors of the cars, you look at the clouds, you look at people walking by and it entertains you. Well, this one time I was looking like practically through the forest and there was this girl who was wearing like a really pretty blue dress, maybe 15, maybe like 13, 14 years old just guessing and she looked right she looked left and then she just disappeared and when when you're six or seven years old right this blows your mind you're thinking oh my gosh witchcraft like no way and then later on I was thinking could that could that have been a ghost well I simply don't know I never saw that girl again in that forest I did try looking for her at my young age being curious and could never find her um but I when you're six or seven you, you don't witness you don't um talk to witnesses and saying, well, did you see this girl wearing a blue dress at this time of this day? It's not a thing. So that was one situation that I kind of had a, a possibly supernatural experience, but I simply don't know because I didn't do any research after that. But another one is of a good friend of mine. She um, always had troubles sleeping at night from like the age of six or seven to about 15. And, um, she, whenever she'd go to bed, she would always see this woman in black, like just near the corner of, of her bedroom and just all black, but she was able to tell that it was a woman before I go on with the story, this girl, my friend at the time, she has, she's very scientifically minded. Her father is a, um, a brain doctor, a a neurological doctor, while her mother is just a house mom, but she, she got, she got the personality from her dad's side. So she doesn't really believe in ghosts, doesn't believe in aliens, doesn't really believe in, in anything religious, even though she, even though her mother was, um, practically an Orthodox Jew, but she didn't, she just didn't care for it. Right. So she was seeing this woman in her corner practically every single night and the very first episode I did for mysteries with the history was about the shadow people and I did a lot of research behind this um, for the show but also in general because it was a really interesting story and that made me think of my friend at the time and when someone encounters a shadow person uh, that are usually in their room they feel they feel depression they feel anxiety, they feel fear, they can be aggressive, they have eating disorders, and a few other things. Well, my friend had all of those. She had every single thing. And she just thought it was because she didn't like, she didn't feel loved in her household. Okay, because she had a little brother and her little brother was beloved by the family, but she was kind of the outcast. 
this is also another feeling that you can get when you encounter shadow people, at least allegedly, you can feel that sense of abandonment as well, or any kind of negative emotions, uh, regardless of if they're true or not based on your environment. These entities allegedly are able to make you feel a certain way. So for years upon years upon years, she was encountering this woman. She was always very, very scared. Later on, her mother uh, and my mom knew this woman, and we're just going to call her a witch for the time being, okay? Because I don't really remember what, what she called herself at the time, but she was a woman that practiced at least allegedly magic and able to cleanse the auras and, and like remove any kind of entities from people or like parasites. Okay. I did not meet her personally. I wasn't able to scope her out and be like, are you lying? I can't really can't tell. So this is just a story based off what my mother told me, what my friend's mother told me. And uh, my friend never told me the story. So after a while, um, My mom's friend was saying, you know, you really need to see this woman. If if you're really having like insomnia, then you better go check this lady out just to see if you're safe. My friend never told her mom of this woman she was seeing every single night. She was only getting the aftermath of her having insomnia, having anxiety, depression, eating disorders, all these things. She had a really bad eating disorder for like her whole life as a child. So then she meets this witch. We're going to call her Magnolia. I think it's something related to her name or where she was but magnolia said okay i'll take your daughter in and we'll do a cleansing so as soon as my friend tries to enter magnolia's house she wasn't even able to enter the house um and this might sound kind of weird and you're like well that's not really true possibly but some people that are more sensitive than others when it comes to maybe energy fields and this is again mere speculation uh in some respects, you're simply not able to enter a home. And if you have a parasite attached to you or an entity, they're able allegedly to prevent you from entering an inside of a building, either if it's like dark energy or if it's light energy. Okay. This is just from what I've been told. She wasn't able to enter. So Magnolia said, okay, well, that's, that's a number one sign. That's really not good. I'm going to bring my singing bowls outside and put them around this girl this young girl, she's about 14 at the time. Turns out as soon as Magnolia was playing her singing bowls or own bowls, whatever you want to call them, my friend starts screaming. She feels nauseated. She wants to throw up and uh, then she passes out. She's gone. She's, she's cold after all of the screaming. Um, her mom picks her up and they take her home. That same day after she wakes up, she's like, Mom, how did I get here? Why do I feel so sick? Why does my body hurt so much? Like I just got into a boxing fight or something. Later, her mom told her the story and she was shocked. She said, I don't remember screaming. I don't remember feeling any pain. How could these things be true? Ghosts or these evil entities simply are not real. And to this day, she's still in denial of the story. I have asked her about it and she doesn't, she never really wants to talk to me about the, this encounter, but as for her mother, my mother and Magnolia, um, they all believe that it really did happen and that she did have some kind of entity attached to her. And based off of my research, it seems like it could have been some kind of shadow person or maybe a different entity altogether we simply don't know but uh she's stated my friend stated that 
she no longer sees this woman at night and she's able to sleep peacefully, no longer suffers from, from insomnia, uh, has really, her, her depression and anxiety have really lessened and she no longer has an eating disorder to this day. That's Sounds scary. almost like a, like an exorcism that, you know, in a, in a sense, in a yeah. sense it does, except uh, there was no holy water. There was no priest. Uh, there was no uh, chanting to my knowledge to my knowledge and I could be wrong, but it was, I guess, I guess in one sense, it would kind of be like an exorcism, except I don't think she was possessed. She just had something attached to her, but Hmm. I just want to really clarify this as an alleged account. I simply don't know if it's really true or not, Um, but it definitely makes you think. And while I was doing my research, I just kind of kept going back to her story of like, could that really have happened? Could it really have happened? That would be crazy. If that was the case, do you think some of these entities and in whether it's spiritual UFOs, you know, kind of dipping our toes into that? There are some people out there that think that these things are related in some way. With all your research and stuff that you've found, do you think it, it's so? For instance, I'm thinking of like Skinwalker Ranch. UFO reporting, strange entities appearing out of portals, you name it. They have Bigfoot running around out there or in giant wolves. I mean, you <laughs> that know, it's pretty crazy. Right? Yeah, that that the the ranch hands have shot point blank and they just kind of look at them and go, not today, you <laughs> not know, today, and then Jesus. disappear. No blood trail, nothing. Then there's cattle mutilation. And it seems like this is a hotbed that turns all these different phenomenon into one thing so much so that it was researched by Robert Bigelow. And I think it's NIDS. I think it was his, his, uh, yeah. Um, so what, what are your feelings on that? And what have you discovered about like Skinwalker and these things being all interconnected? I think it's very possible. I, I think it's very possible that all of these things are interconnected. And if, and if we look at, and I'm going to bring in some uh, Buddhist teaching here from what I've learned from the age of 16 is everything is connected. Everything is connected. We are all from the same thing. Now it is very possible that these UFOs and this, these paranormal activities could come from the same thing. And then it would lead you to the question how would you classify a UFO? How would you classify an ET? Does anything come out of a portal, not a UFO? Is it not an ET? Okay, well then what would you classify it as? Interdimensional? Are interdimensionals aliens? And you can just go into this loop. Are our Bigfoots aliens? Well, aliens, I guess, in that exact term, is anything that we cannot defy, okay? Or something that doesn't belong here, okay? That's the same thing you might call people that that are coming through Mexico. You can call them illegal aliens because they do not belong in the United States. Well, Bigfoot, do they belong here? Do um, skinwalkers, do they belong here? And you can just go and go and go into this conversation. So I find it really exciting. I think it's very possible that these are all interconnected, but I would like to, you know, talk to one and and ask them these questions because for the time being, at this point in time, it's merely a speculation and there's no factual evidence, at least on my behalf, to give you a definite answer. Now, there will be people that say, yes, 
yes, they are related. And I'm like, okay, how? Well, because I said so. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to sell it for me. Well, I wrote five books on this topic. I am an award-winning author. So I know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't really think that's how it works. I don't think that's how you gain credibility. <laughs> what about people that talk about being able to, what do they call it? Manif- manifest? They, they, like that people are all that, that we are creating these phenomenon by the power of our own mind. Well, oh, yeah. like, um, is it Topaz? Is that what they're, I no. can't remember. Kind of like, um, who was it? Like, uh, it's kind of like when you're building it with intention, you know, if, if yeah. you're bringing kind of like the new age or you're at least if religion. you're, yeah, if you're researching it, if you're looking into it and you believe in it, you're going to draw it to you or you're going to make it manifest around you kind of like um, poltergeist. I was, I was doing a little bit of reading on poltergeist and how they basically appear around young, young teenage girls. And and it's like a manifestation of their psyche that are doing these things in the house. It's not them physically, but somehow they've, they've created, and I could be screwing this all up, but it's their energy manifest into uh, a, a physical world. It's really interesting. That is interesting. It's not something that I've looked deeply into, but I am, from what I've read, um, yes, through intention, you're able to manifest certain things um, based off of books and based off like the new age religion, which is becoming very, very popular since like the early, like the mid nineties until present day where you can read the book, like the vortex. And if you think about money, you will receive money. Um, or the and secret, right. Wasn't that one of them? I vision, think vision so. Boards and, and, I think so. Yeah, um, I, haven't, I haven't Oprah read thing. it. <laughs> yes. It, I mean, Oprah at the time was pretty a big deal, but, but when it, when it comes to this, it, it can also lead you into quantum quantum entanglement if you want to take it the more scientific aspect to this kind of phenomenon right you can you can think of like different dimensions well if you're able to manifest it in another dimension and it can come in through here well then now you have whatever you really wanted i haven't looked into it i know a little bit about it but now if you're talking about um ufos or talking about the paranormal and you're able to intend for them to show up then it would lead me to the question, well, then they must have some kind of capabilities able to maybe tap into a certain kind of consciousness that they're able to interact with a dimension that simply is not theirs. If we're looking at the paranormal, now, if we're looking at ETs, there have been countless stories of these beings being able to talk telepathically. Now, if you're talking telepathically, it makes you question what kind of brain capabilities do they have that we do not possess as humans, or are they tapping into a different dimension altogether? We don't know. These are these are all very specul- speculative theories that have been tested by few, but not tested by many. And does it? And and for you, Wayne, for being a science teacher, how would you falsify it? how many times can you test it and still be getting the same results? Because sometimes right. you can have the intention, but it doesn't come. If, if you want to bring the aspect of religion, I've talked about a little bit earlier, there are people that 
that pray all the time and they, they're praying for a new car, they're praying for a new house and they never receive it. Is that intention or why is someone else getting it? But when they're praying as person, they're not getting it. So it's, it's, it's very, very muddy water. I think it's very confusing because there are too many variables. Yeah, I tend to agree. And um, thinking about the aliens, there was uh, James Fox had did the phenomenon. And uh, I believe uh, Stephen Greer was a part of that or interviewed in that. I don't think so. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of something else. But Stephen Greer and, and his group, I believe, are saying, you know, that they can meditate or as a group i and again everything is getting muddied in my brain because i'm looking at so many things at the same time um but but somehow they're they're able to call these things down but when they show you pictures or you know of of them sitting around a campfire and things you could look at this and they go, see right there, there's a bean. There looks like there's a bean in that shaded area. And it's like, well, that's the same thing as seeing the Virgin Mary in my toast in the morning. That's pareidolia. You know, your brain is trying to make a pattern and make it recognizable so it makes sense. And it's, it, we have a phenomenon here that I'm looking into. It's the Michigan Stonehenge. And it's under the water of Lake Michigan. They've discovered these circular rocks. And it's really cool. It's part of the, what they're calling the Michigan Triangle. And I'm trying to do some research into that and get somebody on to talk about that. But on, the, on one of the stones, they say, this looks like it could be a carving of a mastodon you know, that went extinct. But you can't really see anything until they start drawing the lines of what that person is telling you what they think it is. And then you go, Oh, well, yes, of course. And then it's like one of those things that you can't unsee, you know? So I, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling at this point, but yeah, it's, it's very difficult to comprehend, especially for those that have a more scientific mindset that definitely want the evidence versus just kind of jumping on. Well, someone said this, so it must be true kind of thing, which can be very not something I would recommend. And, and this goes for anything. And if, if we look at some ancient teachings as well, they would say, do not believe what you read. Do not believe what I say. You need to have your own experience to believe it for yourself because anyone can tell you anything. And yes, you can believe it. Yes, it can take you down a path, but you can simply not walk that path if you don't have legs. Okay, you need to have legs, you need to have that experience to be able to walk the path of truth. Now, when it comes to Stephen Greer and CE5, um, yes, it's very similar to, to the thing that we had just spoken about, about intention and about being able to manifest something. I've have not had the pleasure to speak to Stephen Greer firsthand, and I have not practiced CE5. I know people who have and have had their experiences, but I think there is a difference from creating something with intention versus 
placing communication outside and hoping someone picks up the cell phone. It's, it's kind of like, am I going to take my eggs and flour and make a cake and put it in the oven? Or am I just going to pick up the phone and call a baker? Are you going to make it yourself or are you going to call someone that can just make it for you like that? So I think, I think those are kind of two slightly different phenomena in their own way, but also incredibly similar. So CE5 is interesting. I think there needs to be more scientific studies attached to it. And I I don't, I neither agree nor disagree with Stephen Greer. I think him having this conversation is fantastic, but I believe that there should be more scientists on his team to be able to collect data on it. Yeah, I agree. But one thing that's really interesting about uh, Stephen Greer is this whole Wilson document or documents that uh, Richard Dolan recently went into like a five hour deep dive into the wow. the Wilson documents and uh, the meeting that Stephen Greer had with Admiral Wilson and uh, I'm about part way through that well maybe halfway now at this point just trying to wrap my head around that he went with information with black projects to this admiral and the admiral decided to look into it. And then the admiral, Admiral Wilson was basically threatened and told, sorry, buddy, you don't have a need to know. And he's an admiral. Right. And I guess they threatened him with his, his job and everything else. And there is all of these documents that recorded the meeting meetings that went on between Greer and a few other people. Again, the names all escape me, but it's, it's very fascinating that, you know, if the government wasn't going to take this seriously, why would they even give them audience? And uh, I don't know. I don't know what to, to make of that. I mean, what's your take on that whole Wilson document? Have you, you've dug into that with Jimmy, I think, right? We talked about the MJ-12 oh, documents, MJ, yes. but I have not looked into the Wilson docs um, yet. Oh, wow. Maybe okay. I will be sometime in the future, but um, it's just, it just hasn't been on my, on my list yet. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And man, I would love to talk to Richard Dolan on here and, and ask him, he is like the researcher of researchers. He's been around for so long, long and, and, uh, well, now I'm making him sound like he's an old man. No, he's he's, you know, he's well aged. He he but he he's been in this since the seventies, I guess. I don't think I don't 80s? think he's that old. I don't think he's I, old. I don't know. It just seems like everywhere I look, I see his name pop up with any of this stuff. It's like, uh, okay, I want to look into this. Richard Dolan says, <laughs> like, yeah, man, this guy just keeps appearing. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, and, and I was talking to Richard Serrett about this, but recently Lou was on Tucker Carlson and he was on there for like a minute and a half and talking about this, uh, the funding for the NDAA and looking and taking UFOs, UAPs very seriously. And he said something and I'm going to, I'm going to quote him here. Uh, he said the task force was given a permanent capability instead of a, a temporary one, 
uh, and it forces the Secretary of Defense to annually report to Congress what we've learned about UAPs, work with our international allies on this matter. And, the, and these two things right here are what got me coming from a science perspective requires any recovered UAP material to be reported to Congress and report any adverse medical effects by our pilots that came into close proximity to these UAPs, which in my mind is telling me that these things are known to be true. Mm -hmm. What do you, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, I, I watched Lou's body language on that. And, you know, Tucker Carlson was like, so do we have these materials? And Lou is kind of smiling. He's nodding his head, <laughs> but he goes, I can't really say, but if we did, this would make it so that they have to talk about it, you know, that they have to report these things. Um. What what's your take on this? The in these statements. Well, when it comes to Lou Lou Elizondo, he definitely drops a lot of hints. He he places a lot of breadcrumbs that maybe you people might not catch the first time, but if you watch it a few times over, he, he's very careful with this choice of words. His yeah, he's body awesome, language, though. his body language is very specific in what he's talking about, and um, he is someone that's really good at what he does. When he, when he was talking about this permanent office, the debrief also covered this as soon as the information oh, okay. came out. And um, it's really, really good news because the um, task force, the UAP task force is just temporary. It didn't, it's not, it's not anything permanent. And that's a possible reason to why only one case out of 144 were solved just because because they are a temporary office, it's a possibility that maybe they don't have all the information that was needed to be able to fill out all that information for the preliminary report. Now, that is just speculation. There is no evidence to back that up. Now, with this permanent office, that's a really, really big deal. Regardless, regardless if they give all that information out to the public, that yearly report. We'll probably only see a redacted version of that. Um, but Congress will be seeing will be seeing the full report to my knowledge. And that is really awesome because it's because of these congressmen that are pushing the laws, that are getting things done, getting bills written, and they'll be the ones changing our government. Um, also with the Congress, because they're new people are always being elected every certain amount of years, you're always going to be getting a new type of people versus some of these um, alphabet agencies. You have the same people for an entire lifetime, and that information is going to die with them. Okay. With Congress, um, you're going to get new people and more people are going to be advised of this information with the yearly reports. So I think it's really exciting. I'm really happy that it's becoming a Official. I think they're still signing a few more documents to make it official official. I'm not too sure on that. But then also you're having the UN, which is also going to be having a UAP type of office as well, which is in the works. And that's that's taking us places that no one expected. Now, in the 1970s, Jacques Vallée and a few others, J. Allen Hynek and um, an astrophysicist also covered by the debrief, they did push for a 
UA UFO office. However, it never came into fruition just because no one pushed for it at the time. But now that things are changing, that the environment is different with wanting UAP transparency, it's very possible that they might actually come to a conclusion that this is necessary for the entire world. Yeah, I agree. The um, one of the things I heard said by, and again, this this is he said, she said, and and it was on it's all hearsay. The, yeah, the these UFO shows. Um, but one of the problems that elected officials have is that they are temporary employees, and mm-hmm. so the guys that are in deep that are that are permanent fixtures of these black programs, whether they're, you know, skunk works or whatever, you know, can look at these guys and tell them, sorry, you, you might not be here next year because you're not going to be elect and we can't give you that information. So I find that very interesting that, you know, that our government officials that want to look into this don't get told things because of that fact of they are, you know, you're, you're a temporary employee. We're not going to give you this information and, and uh, have you put it out there. And I, I don't know. I, I find it very, very interesting that there's so much of a machinations that are going on in, in Washington and behind the scenes with this, that we don't, we don't even scratch the surface of what's possibly going on and what, what they're thinking and what they're talking about, which is unfortunate because like the UFO report that came out in June, the nine pages, or if you consider six pages, um, after you take the cover page and the, the, (laughs) you know, the little document apart, you get about six pages, the the copyright document. Yeah. And and, the, the national, I think it was the national security council got the whole like 89 pages. And I'm very interested in what the, the, the sonar logs and things like that. There are other sensors out there besides radar that have you know, uh, detected these things moving at high speeds in water, Mm -hmm. but they did not release any of that. Um, you know, all all we have is, is the, the radar and a 143 things so far, but, you know, we recently saw the video of the, uh, I want to say it was the USS kid, a destroyer that had their, uh, camera people filming a, UFO hovering above the water. It comes flying in, it hovers above the water and bloop, down it goes. And they're like, it's gone. They thought it crashed. They went to investigate. There was nothing there and just gone. And there's no real explanation at all. No. And there's, and there's a lot of stories like that too. There are multiple exactly. witness accounts of crafts that are from craft that are in the sky and that plummet into the water. I mean, people believe that they crashed that this craft crashed, but it didn't. And um, I, I think with the Nimitz encounter, it brought these kinds of stories into the light of the public to be able to I guess give some people closure that I've already had these encounters, but also for those that have never heard of it to actually get excited and to go on a boat in the middle of the ocean and look for these things <laughs> right. as well. So the, the Nimitz encounter, the USS Omaha, 
when these stories came out, again, maybe for our community, it was exciting, but nothing crazy. But for those that don't know anything about the topic, um, I mean, like, you're thinking, what the heck is going on? This is real. This is this is real. And more people are becoming conscious with this, with this topic. And, um, I think there's a lot to come from it. And I think we need to be ready as, as podcasters, as researchers, as enthusiasts, whatever you want to call yourself activists. Um, we need to be ready for more people coming into the community. And instead of looking at them, like they're obviously a CIA agent, we cannot trust them, but instead look at them and be happy that they're being involved because they're the future. More people that we have, the more transparency we can push for from our government. But like I said at the very beginning, we are the disclosure, us having these encounters, us having boots on the ground research, regardless if you're looking for cryptids, if you're looking for aliens, if you're looking for mermaids, does it matter? When we go out there and we document it as the public, we can get more information out there than those that claim that they have all the information, but will never leak it out to the public. Yeah. It's like uh, I talk to some of my friends and I'm like, hey, we're trying to get Lou Elizondo on. Really? Look at what he did. He's counterintelligence. You were in the military. You know about intelligence, military intelligence. He's counterintelligence. What do you think you're going to get from him? Well, maybe something, but he he started this ball rolling. I mean, it was was thanks to him that really kind of got things going now. He did. And you know what, what's really rare about this situation is that if he was counterintelligence, if, if he really was a liar, which some people believe that he is at one point in time, since 2017 until present day, he would have slipped up. He hasn't yet. Now, is that is that evidence that he's in, not an intel, like counterintelligence? No, no. It, it, he could slip up in the future, and maybe we'll all find out that he that he's not saying who he says he is. But until then, he has proved nothing other than being loyal, other than respecting his NDAs. And if he really cannot say exactly. anything, instead of lying, he'll say. I simply cannot say that right now, but then he kind of drops answers here and there throughout the conversation a little bit later on that a total counterintelligence, whatever guy would lie to you straight up, give you some information that is true and some that is false, such as Richard Doty, or just make you look stupid. But instead, Lou Elizondo does not make anyone look stupid. All the information that he has given, people are able to verify, and he does not give information that one cannot be verified or that he cannot talk about. He won't yeah. talk about it then. Right, right. We were talking to, um, you know, Big Will and Micah from, you know, the band of Bearded Brothers or, you know, Will from UFO Garage. And, you know, I think they were saying that they believe that he is still under a non-disclosure agreement and, you know, still, you know, look, I was in the military as well. And when I signed on the dotted line and I had certain clearances and stuff, you know, there are things that I will not talk about in order to protect people that I worked with 20 or 30 years ago, you know, and things that, that I saw and tested and things like that, weapon systems and whatever. But 
you know, even now it's, it's obsolete, but I still wouldn't talk about it because there is a certain loyalty to not this government, but to this country, to the documents that we put our, you know, behinds on the line for, for the constitution. We don't fight for politicians. You know, we fight for the country and, and keeping that document, you know, alive so that it keeps our government in check. And, you know, there are certain things that, that we, you know, that, that you just can't talk about. Um, and I totally get that. And I, I understand that he, you know, he's, he's probably making sure he's, you know, there's people still working and alive. You can't endanger people's lives and, you know, break certain confidentiality with, you know, and trust with people that you're working with. So, yeah, I, I totally get it. And, um, and that's kind of what I tell people when I talk to them about having Lou come on. It's like, well, he's not going to answer any of your questions. So, well, he, he does in a way. You just have to know what to listen for. And how know? to ask the question. And, because sometimes yeah. sometimes people say, well, he didn't give a good answer. To anybody can say that, right? And yeah. then you can simply say, well, maybe the question was not asked correctly. And that can go for anyone that you interview. They might give you the same generic answer that they always give in every cast because you asked the question incorrectly. So so I, I think I think it's a tango. It really goes both ways for interviewing anyone, not just Lou, not just anyone in, in the government, but but anybody altogether. Yeah. I agree. And I, I did want to ask you one thing and then we'll start wrapping it up here because I know that we've been at this a little over an hour. So um, when he was talking about reporting any adverse medical effects by our pilots that came into close proximity to these UAPs, have you heard anything to that effect about any of our pilots, fighter pilots or airline pilots or otherwise that have had some kind of adverse medical from being in contact with these things? From my research, I have not. And also okay. it's not something that I focused on and I, I will be now. The only thing that I can kind of lean back on was there was one encounter in Project Blue Book where the where um, military officials encountered a craft and ended up getting really sick. They got some kind of like skin lesions of some sort uh, after touching uh, some kind of object. But that's the only story that I have. And that was from many, many, many years ago. Now, if you look at Ryan Graves, he has stated that maybe he hasn't stated anything about medical um, anything, but he has stated that he's been seeing these crafts in the sky almost every single day while he was in the force. So either way, it's good that Lou has been talking about this and it can lead people's attention, maybe in a place that they need to look for is, is looking at these issues, right? This kind of um, medical records proof. Is, is it, is yeah, it, that's evidence. Is it, right. Is it some kind of evidence that can lead people to believe this phenomenon more than what they did previously? So I think it's a good thing that he brought people's attention to that specific detail that maybe many people didn't even consider. It's yeah. not something that I have considered. Well, it, it, it makes me think about the whole Rendlesham forest encounter where those, those uh, air force security guys came in, in direct contact with Atlantic craft. And a couple of them talked about touching it and uh, what it felt like. And, you know, I would be interested now in seeing their medical 
records or, you know, have they had any medical, I know I can't get the medical records, but, <laughs> you know, but have any of them had any adverse effects? I mean, we hear about like when we interviewed Terry Lovelace, you know, about being abducted and then they have these implants put in and he's got the evidence. He's got the x-rays of things with wires in his legs and, uh, weird, uh, formations of things inside of his, le- I and mean, his, his story is incredibly scary. And it kind of goes along with the whole, when you see one of these triangle things, uh, you need to watch out. They seem to be kind of more on the threat aspect instead of the, you know, we're just zooming around you. Um, but it, you know, it, it's the evidence that is is very interesting from a medical perspective. And uh, I wonder if people could go back and, and look with some different eyes in that regards to looking for the, the evidence to point to these contacts actually really happening. I, I agree with you. And, and the whole statement about seeing new eyes, I think with this phenomenon, there have been a lot of the same people saying the yes. same information or, or looking or looking at cases that um, have been seen by the same kinds of people with the same kind of mentality. So with this new generation, people being interested in the topic, these new eyes can possibly see things that have been missed for 30, 40 years that no one else caught. But um, that that's why I love this kind of topic and bringing as many people in, regardless if you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. But if you can just bring in as many perspectives as possible, everyone's going to see a different facet to the story than somebody else. And the best way to do so is when you've never heard the story before, have never heard of the data before. So you can look at it with the most fresh eyes. And these new kids that are coming into this topic are going going to be exactly that people that have no background information have almost no bias are not contaminated by previous stories by some very don't get me wrong some very credible people but just because they're credible does not mean that all their information is correct right and and i think the more questions that we ask even if they're considered stupid questions the more questions that we ask the better it is for all of us yeah i agree I think that's why it's it's important that we wanted to have you on the show. So some of the, the people that listen to us uh, can hear about the, the new fresh perspectives and new people that are coming into this. I'm an I'm an old dude, but I'm, I'm new. I'm new to this whole thing and in researching and even talking about this. I find myself in this weird position as a, you know, a a geoscientist, a earth and space scientist, as a high school teacher, you know, and and being thrust into this. And now I'm just trying to collect all the information I can. And, and same thing with my wife, you know, she's over here as a a 22 year middle school ELA Mm -hmm. veteran, you know, teaching English and mythology and stuff. And then, you know, here we are, we're, we're just leaving our little bingo hall at two 30 in the morning. And here's this giant craft. And I immediately was like, Oh, this, that's an airliner. It's missing Detroit Metro airport. Something's wrong. Wait a minute. Those landing lights are pointing down and they're not, they're just glowing. They're not shining any kind of light. And then it could see it was just this huge 
triangle, just black as could be absorbing light reflected off the ground. And it was, it was almost like a a skin on it that was absorbing light. And it was just kind of outlining the, the outside edges of it. And Michelle looked at me and the first thing she said was what? When did our military get that? When did our military (laughs) get that? And I was like, no, that thing is the size of a Walmart. I mean, it it was at least 300 feet on a side, 250 to 300 feet. And it was sitting there. And I'm like, uh, aerodynamics says that something that big can't sit there unless it's some kind of a blimp or something oh, like that. Well, it was extremely ominous. It, it, it was. That was the thing because I could not figure it out. So I was like, we're gunning it out of here. We're, we're taking, and then it rotated. It sat there and it rotated 90 degrees and then started moving parallel with us along the expressway. We lost sight of it. We went down this, the sound abatement. When we popped up, I was expecting it to be right off of her, right? She was in the passenger side. So right off her right hand side and we're looking and it was just gone. Wow. I I just know that that story is, is insane. And I just want to quickly say before I head out is you guys are such a dynamic duo. Wayne, you have the science aspect, you have the space aspect Mm -hmm. and Michelle, you have the English and the mythology aspect. You're able to read a document and understand the wording and why they chose Mm -hmm. the words that they did. That's beautiful. A lot of people don't have the things that both of you guys have that kind of mentality, the science and the English, but also the mythology as well of hearing stories, understanding to why these stories were written for many aspects to understand what was going on in the environment and bringing that into the ufo phenomena so you guys are killing it that is so awesome right both of you guys have that kind of background we're definitely a unique perspective i will i will say that and and we just we got pulled into this and it's like you know what let's just let's run with it and and I want, you know, my scientific curiosity is, is killing me right now. It's like, I want to know so bad, put me in one of those ships. Let me play around in there. I want to, I will talk Lou hire me, bro. I will, I will be out in the field working these things. I mean, I'll do whatever I need to know because as a former, you know, private pilot and, and flying planes, and I grew up around aircraft, my dad's a retired United airline pilot. I mean, I love aircraft and what I saw completely freaked me out. And, uh, not to mention tonight, I'll still be talking about the black eyed children probably three, four hours from now. Yeah. I love yeah. urban legends. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me it, too. Don't tell anyone, like but the, I love them. Yeah. It's the like legends. the men in black too, right? Oh. These guys that are, they're, they're not, they don't appear to be human in, in oh, certain ways. I did a whole episode on that and it was bizarre hearing, hearing the alleged accounts. And, uh, we'll talk about that another day. Yes. Yes. But, but yes, the men in black, if you believe it or not, regardless, the stories are crazy. Yes. All right. So before we let you go, do you have any ties to Michigan? I'm, I have to ask. I don't. Well, no, I don't. I knew someone from Michigan. That's as, that's as good as it's going to get. All right. Close enough. 
All right. And so in closing, uh, what do you have coming up on any of your shows? Let our audience know where they can find you. And you've got so much going on. I know you have shifting the paradigm and paradigm shifts, but you also do work with like Micah Hanks and stuff too. So let us have it. Just give it all to our audience. Okay. On this upcoming Tuesday, I'm doing Bob Lazar part two with Jimmy Church. Um, the first part was so heated. The conversation was so intense. We needed to do a part two. And for the first 30 minutes, we're also going to have Richard Dolan on who is pro Bob Lazar. Jimmy Church is anti Bob Lazar after 30 years of believing in him. And I'm going to be sitting in the back eating popcorn and just, being oh, like, oh wow. my goodness, that's happening on Tuesday. Um, but Bob Lazar is a Michigan boy, by the way, his, his store is, or his chemical store, whatever he's doing up North, he sells chemicals to companies that I guess. So, and he was raided by the FBI looking for, (laughs) looking for materials. So I'll just leave it at that. I heard that story. It's pretty, it's pretty insane. And I'm, I'm on the fence you know, like I said earlier, I have no bias in the situation when it comes to anything that I post on YouTube or on social media. Um, I, I won't say I believe or agree or disagree. I'm just kind of bringing in all the data and getting the good and the bad aspects and trying to make it equal. Um, I also have shifting the paradigm where I interview UFO researchers and enthusiasts. I work for the debrief. I was a content creator creating YouTube videos for them. Um, um, for Tim McMillan, MJ Benias, and Micah Hanks. And, but overall, you know, everything's on my beacons link, all of, all of the links. Cause there's so, there's so many things going on. I have a Reddit group. I have a Facebook group. My Twitter is eyes underscore on the skies where I am the most active there. I place all of my updates there compared to all my other places of social media. And um, yeah, some, some cool things are coming up in the near future. There'll be some announcements coming out um, with the progress of of my channel and how things are going. So I'm really excited for that when it does come out. And um, I think I think that's it. I think that's everything. Sounds good. All right, Christina, we're going to go ahead and let you go. And I know you're busy and you do need to get some sleep, get some sleep. (laughs) Right, well, well, I have I have some assignments due that are due in a few hours. Um, I have to get them done before oh, I yes, fill my class. Anybody that doesn't know, when I say you know, new fresh eyes, young guns coming into this, Christina's still in college doing all of this. Correct? <laughs> what are you a uh, are you a junior now at this point? Yeah, or? I I I think so. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I am. It's 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 kind of all a blur, but I'm majoring in business and communication uh right now but i've wanted to change my major so many times but i'm trying to stick to it so i can graduate at a decent time (laughs) yeah because as soon as i graduate i have some really big things planned which i'm excited to talk about as soon as i get my paper in my hand and i say guys i did it yep i graduated (laughs) and and oh the last thing i want to mention is i also have a website called paradigmshifts.blog with a new um attachment added called project eyes on the skies where people can turn in their own photos and videos of things that they consider unexplained and then i go ahead and enhance the footage and try to and then i place it back on youtube for people to make their own um opinions on what these things might be but well, if, you, if it does turn that 
if it does turn out to be an IFO, an identified flying object, then I make sure to classify that as well. Well, you may be getting an influx then once our people on our Facebook group hear that because we get stuff turned in quite often and it's pretty interesting and amazing. So if you're listening out there, Facebook group, which I'm sure you are, send this stuff to Christina as well so that uh, she can take a look at it. And she's got the know-how of the video manipulation or enhancement. I shouldn't say manipulation because then they'll be like, oh, you're just going to mess with my stuff. Right. right. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, Christina, thank you. It's been a pleasure. We are very happy to have had you on. We're going to bid you good night. Thank you so much for letting me be here. Um, I want to do it again sometime. Absolutely. And, and it was a lot of fun. So thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I want to get her back on so that her and I can talk about urban legends. Absolutely. Man, that was that was great. I was glad that she could find the time in her busy schedule to come on the show. Being in college as a junior trying to finish up that degree is really, really tough. So. Well, and I remember college as a junior, so I can't even imagine where she finds the time. Yeah, especially dealing with video and doing editing and all the research that she's doing and the people she's interviewing. Uh, when she says she doesn't get much sleep, I believe yeah. it. One thing I do want to point out is that I was saying that I had seen Stephen Greer in the movie The Phenomenon and I was mistaken because we're doing our own research and I'm doing a lot of listening to podcasts, watching documentaries and things like that. The movie I was thinking of that was talking a lot about Stephen Greer and it really seemed like it was his movie which could be, or at least a documentary, was called Unacknowledged, not the phenomenon, Unacknowledged. I don't want to talk too much about it because you should go check out not only the phenomenon, but also Unacknowledged and see, you know, the differences between the two documentaries. It's really interesting. All right, Michelle, I think with that, we should probably call it an evening. Yep. Hopefully everyone has a good one. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We are glad to have you on board. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And remember, follow us, subscribe, join our Facebook group. Everyone is welcome. All right, everybody, have a great night. And remember, keep your eyes to the sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.